Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Happiness is knowing you're going to heaven. <laughs> i never forget that bumper sticker. Happiness is knowing you're going to heaven. Well, that's one thing I know, and that's one thing you know, and no one can take that away from us. Amen? I know I'm going. Glory to God. Because we have it now, right? And we're living in it now. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 11. We're going to start. Let's pray before we do. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We do approach it reverently. We approach your word humbly, submitting ourselves to its teaching, dear Father God. Letting it permeate our very being, allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us so richly that it, Father God, seeps from our spirits through our souls and through the very pores of this body of ours. I thank you, dear Father God, as this word goes forth, the power of the Spirit of God will come upon your people to quicken this word that they may transform their lives into the life of it. I thank you, dear Father God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. In the fourth chapter and the eleventh verse, we begin reading, and he said, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith, into the knowledge of the Son of God, into a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the sight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. In how many things? How many things? Grow up to Christ in how many things? Which is the head even Christ. Grow up into Christ in all things. Why did he give the fivefold ministry? For what purpose? Well, he answers our questions. You know, sometimes people don't know what the Bible says because they don't read it. But it says right here, he gave the, the purpose of the fivefold ministry is so that you and I could be perfected for the work of the ministry and so that we can be edified, the edifying of the body of Christ. Until we come into this knowledge of the Son of God, into a perfect man. Until we get to a place that we could walk as Jesus walked upon the earth. Beloved, the, the, the revelation that was given unto us through Jesus Christ is not one so that we could come to church and play church once a week, twice a week, three times a week, and just be a beggar inside this here old you know, world of ours of darkness, and just say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm on my way to heaven. I glory to God, I know that. I know I'm going to heaven. But I want more than that. I want all the fullness of God. I want to walk in the light of the glory of God. I want to manifest the glory of God. I want to grow up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. Don't you? If that is not your purpose at heart, then you're going to be a sorry Christian. I mean that. Because you'll be defeated in every area of your life. You'll be whipped in all things. You won't be maturing in Christ in all things. You'll be whipped in all things. People want to know why. It being such a Christian, why is it so hard? Why this? Why that? Why am I getting my healing? Why am I just having such a struggle? Why am I doing that? Let me tell you something right now. Dedication and consecration. Dedication and consecration. There's a place in the Bible for dedication and consecration. When you decide that you are going to dedica dedicate your spirit, man, to be free from sin. 2 Corinthians 7.1 but you below, he said, having therefore these precious promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And I'm going to tell you something. The reason why a lot of people don't grow is because they don't fear God. I remember saying something and someone brought it to my attention. Some people get me to listen to my tapes. I don't listen to many of my tapes. But someone said, listen, listen, I want you to listen to this tape. I said, well, what's it say? He said, well, you preached it. I said, well, I still don't know what it said. I got to listen to it. And I listened to that tape. And uh, I got blessed. 
I must say I got blessed. I'm not saying that because I preached it. I must say I got blessed. I mean, you know, the Spirit of God will say some things to you. And you have to go back and say, well, what was that? And I had to go back and listen to some things that the Spirit of God was revealing and saying. And uh, I remember that I said at one time, I had such a reverential fear of God that I refused to take a pill. Now, I'm just a little baby Christian. See, only one year old Lord. Not even one year old Lord. I didn't know any, anything about uh, dedication and consecration and walking in health and walking in divine health and, and being you know, free from the law of sin and death and, and walking around with no sickness or disease in your body. I didn't know anything about that. But I knew this. I knew that Jesus Christ died for my sicknesses as well as my sins. And I believe, this is my own, like I said, my own belief. I believe that since He died for my sicknesses, I don't need to have them any longer. And so, I remember saying... I had a reverential fear of God that I feared taking that pill more than... I, I, I feared God more than taking that pill and dying if I didn't take that pill. I would have rather died. That's what I'm trying to say. I would have rather died than take that pill. I would have. Holds true for me today. I'd rather die. I mean that. You say, well, you sound crazy. Crazy for Jesus. What I'm saying is sometimes you've got to make that kind of consecration, that kind of dedication if you want to walk in the fullness of God. He, what do you think he means? Totally dependent on God's spirit, soul, and body. Going to a place in God that we are independent of the world and the, all the things that are in this world. That is the dedication, that is the consecration you are going to have to make if you're going to walk in the power of God. Look at the, look at the, the benefits you're going to reap from it. You will walk in that divine health. You will walk in the power of the Spirit. You will walk in the glory of God. That's if you want that. If you don't want that, I say this to you right now. You better get away from this kind of teaching. Because this kind of teaching is going to make you responsible. It is going to make you responsible to walk in the fullness of God. To whom much is given, much is required. But getting back to that, I had such a fear of God, and you should have such a fear of God, I shouldn't have to stand up here and tell you what to do and what not to do. You should have such a reverential fear of the Holy God, you shouldn't walk into that place that you shouldn't be in. You should have such a holy reverential fear of the Almighty God, you should put away that habit that you have that you know is not coming to God. Think about that. I had this in my spirit before I knew the in-depth teaching of walking into divine health. But I knew this, I didn't want to touch that thing. Now you're saying, are you telling me that I shouldn't touch medicine? I never preached that in this church. I don't ever want to hear anybody say I preached that. I said, this guy right here, I feared God you see, more than dying because I didn't take that pill. Because I felt that if I took that pill, I reputed, repudiated the divine healing of God. And I hold true to that today. Now, like I said, you're going to have to grow into some of these things and, and you're going to have to learn some of these things. I remember reading after John G. Lake. How many know John G. Lake? How many of you don't, have ever heard of John G. Lake? Slip up your hand. Well, I don't know about you, but I read, you know, some people have a tendency to read after those that have fall, failed and fallen and they didn't make it. I know why you want to read those books. I got a book back there. I keep telling everybody about it. Everybody wants to get to this book. I got a book back there. It talks about all the ministers that fail. <laughs> I'm sitting through Raymond Bible Training Center, and this book tells me all these ministers that failed. And I'm going, this one died. This, this. I'm there at Raymond, studying to be in the ministry. Well, they all failed. I come across one guy by the name of Kennedy e. Hagan. He said, when all the others are dead and gone, I'll still be around. Because I'm not building my ministry on spiritual gifts. I'm building my ministry on the integrity of the Word of God. I said, get rid of all the books. You see that fellow right there? I'm going to follow after a fellow, someone similar to that. You know, the Bible says, Paul even said himself, be followers of me in the dime of Christ. Somebody should be an example to us to whom we can follow after. If we're following after God, I can say to you, be followers of me as I am of Christ. Paul said it with all, you know, uh, humility in his heart. He could say that because he was following after Christ. And if you're following after the footsteps of Christ, then you can follow the same things that Paul did because he's doing the same things. And so I read up to this one and I said, well, I'm going to read after that guy right there because he's still around and the others are dead. 
So why am I going to pick up and read after this guy that didn't make it and got into trouble and got in trouble with the law and got in trouble here and got in trouble with this and trouble with that? I'm going to read after somebody that made it. John G. Lake made it. Uh, John G. Lake was over there in South Africa, and some of you know it, some of you don't know it because you never heard of the man before. And he learned how to appropriate the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus to such the de a degree that he did not allow germs to live on his mortal body. You say, I never heard that kind of teaching before. Well, stick around. You're going to hear it, and you're going to hear it a lot. Because this should be the goal of every born-again, spirit-filled believer. And that plague was so terrible that you couldn't hire men for a $1,000 a day to come out and bury the dead. Well, they were afraid they were going to die. What's, what good is $1,000 a day? See, some people have, uh, you know, they have a fear of not having enough money. Well, for $1,000 a day, these guys would have been set for life. You know, as long as that plague lasted. So you think about it, they wouldn't come out for $1,000 a day because they had more fear of death than they had of not having money. Well, John G. Lake was in the same place, and he just went out there and said, well, I'll just bury all the dead. Him and another fellow, they went out and they buried all the dead. Now, they're right there in the midst of the plague. Everybody's falling over like flies. Just everybody's just dying and dying and dying and dying. Finally, they send a team of doctors down there with some medical help and so on and so forth. And they get down there, and they say, now, Brother Lake, what are you taking to prevent yourself, to keep yourself from uh, receiving this here bubonic plague? He said, Brother, it's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that's made me free from the law of sin and death, and germs can't live on my mortal body. And they just looked at him and said, well, don't you think you better take this here preventatives that we have? He said, sir, no, but if you want, you can experiment on me. You're a scientist. Experiment on me. He said, here I am. See that? These people that died, they had a, a bloody froth that came out. A foam like out of their mouth, you know, when they died from this plague. And it was full of these germs. And they would live for a certain period of time, then they, then they would all die. He says, now you could take that there, you know, bloody froth that came out of that mouth, and you could put that under the microscope, and you'll see germs all over it. He said, you put them same on my body. He says, and when they touch my body, they'll all instantly die. And so they did. They dripped it on, on top of his hand, his body. And as soon as those germs touched his body, they all died. They couldn't live under the microscope. And the doctor looked at him and said, what's this? He said, I told you. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from lost sin and death, and I forbid germs to live on my mortal body. There's some tough characters out there right now. <laughs> Glory to God. And we should all have that attitude. We should all be that way. We should all want to grow to the place that germs and sickness and disease cannot live in your mortal body. And I'm going to tell you how it's going to get there in your, in your life. When you put away sin. 1 John 5.18 says, Whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he keepeth himself from sin. And that wicked one toucheth him not. Some people don't have it. The problem is not in their faith. And it's not in their getting their healing. The problem is sin. Now don't go off and say everybody. I said everybody that's living in sin now. Because I didn't say that. You know what area you've got to get out of your life. You know what area you've got to begin to perfect holiness in the fear of God. We should have a reverential fear of God that it should cause us to walk so holy, dearly beloved, walk holy before God and purify ourselves even as He is, because our God is a consuming fire. It's true. But we seem to lose that concept of God. And we're going to show you what Peter talked about it a little bit, little bit later. But getting back to what we're saying here, it is up to the ministry to preach the fullness of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not preach what you your first personally yourself have attained. Listen, if I were to preach to you only what I have attained, you'll never grow above that which I have attained. But when I preach to you the fullness of God, you can surpass me. You can surpass the next guy. When I give you the word of God up here and it makes you look up ahead and realize that that is my hope, I could walk in the fullness of God. I could walk with God permeating my very being, spirit, soul, and body. God enveloped in me and me and him. Jesus said that. I and them and them and me and down with me that we all may be made perfect in one. Paul said it like this, that I may attain unto the resurrection power of Jesus Christ when I'm at home in this mortal body. That this body is swallowed up with the very divine life of God. 
That's how John G. Lake lived his life. I admonish you to get his material and read it. Now, that next verse says over there that we henceforth be no more children. Do you want to know why the body of Christ is full of babies and children? Now, the word tossed means fluctuate, being tossed to and fro, fluctuating and carried about or transported by every wind of doctrine whereby they lie in wait to deceive. See? Now, listen. Because the ministry itself is divided. The ministry itself is divided. You go home from here. You hear you can walk in the power of the Spirit. You hear you can walk free from sickness and disease. You hear you can walk in the glory of God. You can walk with an armor, a shield around you of the glory of God. And it protects you from all sickness and disease. And the wicked one will not touch you. And you go home and flip on your tube. And some evangelist on there or some, somebody from somewhere tells you, this is why God wants you sick. This is why God wants you to suffer. This is what you're supposed to do. You see, my God wants you poverty. I had somebody say to me, boy, that teaching about God wants you to have money, God wants you to prosper, is ridiculous. I said, where'd you hear that? Well, I heard it from an event. Some, some great, oh, 20, 30, 40 years in the ministry. Some little whippersnapper like you, you're going to tell me that, you see, God wants us to prosper. I said, did he ask you for an offering after it was over? He said, yeah. I said, well, where are you going to get it? He said, I couldn't. I said, well, he made his point, didn't he? You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be in poverty? You're not supposed to have anything? Well, don't ask for an offering at the end of your sermon. Right? And thought that was being proud. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to have any money. I shouldn't have that. I should just suggest not barely get by. Well, if you only got bare enough to get by, you ain't getting to give. I said, besides that. Now, think about this. I said, besides all that. I said, now you tell me. If you don't have the money, and if this body of believers doesn't have the finances, and uh, evidently the ministers don't have the money because they're asking for it, and uh, everybody in the body of Christ is not supposed to have an abundance. But that sounds to me like the gospel cannot be propagated at all. But it sounds like to me that those that make the filthy books and the magazines and the bars and the drugs and all this, they are going to be so prosperous that they'll propagate the gospel, the, the gospel of the devil all around. I said, but if the believer has the money and you have the finances and you have an abundance, you will give it to the gospel of the kingdom. The more I got, the more I give to him. The more you got, the more you give to him. I said, common sense can't even say that. How oh, the devil's got the body of believers hoodwinked. Then they go home and they go back and they say, listen, that yeah, but it sounds so religious. It sounds so good. But what does it do to them? What is, where does it leave their minds? It leaves them like this. Well, that brother over here said that we should prosper. But the brother over here said that, you know, uh, we shouldn't have anything. We should be beggarly and et cetera, et cetera. And this one over here said we should be healed. But that one over there said we should be sick because of this and because of that. How in the world is the body of Christ going to grow up? And stop being tossed to and fro when the ministry itself cannot rightly divide the word of truth. Well, that's why that verse is so predominant in the church today. That you henceforth be no more children. Being tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Everything that comes along, they want to get in. See? And they get carried to and fro because they're looking to a man. They're not looking to the word of God. Actually, they're not using common sense. Well... Consequently, verse 14 is predominant in the church. But I'm going to tell you something right now. In the church of Midland, verse 15 is becoming predominant. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I heard one, same, 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 you know, I don't, I don't want to mention any names. And I don't like to do that. I never do that. But I'm just speaking this out for constructive criticism, not for destructive. You need to hear this. 
People are trying to tear down what we call faith. You know what? I get, I get depicted as a, you're a faith preacher. I'd rather be a faith preacher than an unbelieving preacher. Can you see something? Oh, there goes that unbelieving preacher. How'd you like that? I'd rather say, there goes that faith preacher. I'd rather say that than there goes an unbeliever. He don't believe anything. He don't believe this. He don't believe, he don't believe you're going to be healed. He don't believe that. Oh, what do you believe? All they believe is they got saved. That's all they know. Beloved, it's time we put away the first principles of the oracles of God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to see how we can grow up into Him in all things. The same, same thing happened. Whether it's radio, whether it's TV, it doesn't matter. You've got to learn. Beloved, if you're going to grow up, you're going to have to learn how to turn things off. Turn off those that are not preaching the truth. I'm not against them. I love every one of them. I pray for every one of them. But beloved, I'm for you also. I don't want to see you get tossed to and fro and carried about with everyone in doctrine. I want to follow somebody who made it all the way. Jesus did. And he's the way to the Father. And if I'm walking in his footsteps, beloved, I don't see him sick and disease and beggarly and so on and so forth. He had the ability to get anything he needed at any time. I mean, he was walking with nothing. He just said, Peter, go there and get that fish over there. got some corn in his mouth. See, prosperous means you have it when you need it. And I don't care if you don't have a penny. If you know how to appropriate the law of God, you walk out to the Ohio River down there and say, now, fish, get me a coin. Probably this, hey, there's probably a lot that dropped over the money there when they was out there doing something, you know. That's right. And then you go scoop it along and just bring it up to you and just pop it right in your hand there. Somewhere. You said, you believe that? Sure, I believe that. It happened, didn't it? Didn't Jesus say the things I do? You said, well, some greater works shall you do that? Well, what's, what? That's, you see, greater works than that is, you know, getting people saved and born into the family of God. What is it? I can tell that fish and go get me some money if I needed it. God will do it like that. Now, this fella is saying, yeah, now I'm talking about the ministry for a purpose, for a reason, for constructive criticism. This fellow's over there telling you that, uh, well, you shouldn't be looking and expecting all kind of miracles today. There wasn't a whole lot in Jesus' day, so you shouldn't expect a whole lot today. There wasn't a whole lot in the New Testament, so you shouldn't expect a whole lot today. I said, well, didn't you ever read Acts 8, chapter verse 5? Peter, or, or Philip went down to the city of Samaria, preached Christ unto them. And all the people with one accord gave heed to those things with Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles, plural, which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and those that were lame and had taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. Miracles, those, many, and many that were lame and were taken with palsies were healed. Many of them. Paul was on the Isle of Melita. And he got the governor's father that he got him healed. And when he, they found out that he laid his hands upon them and healed, it says that the fame went abroad, and all those that were sick on the island came and he laid his hands on them all, healed them all. That's many. Multitudes were healed under Jesus' ministry. Many miracles took place. Paul, in Acts 19, chapter, had handkerchiefs taken from his hands when they were given to the people. Evil spirits were cast out of them. The sickness and disease departed from them, and evil spirits were cast out of them. You know, there's some people never heard this kind of gospel. I am amazed to think that people have not heard this kind of gospel. What kind of gospel do they hear? You just be content with what you've got, and you just sit there, and you don't have to expect God to do anything for you. That's what they hear. But well, here's, here's a fellow in the ministry teaching and preaching this. And if you ever said one thing that he was wrong, boy, that some people would just chew you out because of the name. I don't take anybody's word for it. I've got to have chapter and verse. And it's got to be in the light of our redemption through Jesus Christ. And if it's not, I don't want to accept it. I've got many come out of me. But brother, don't you believe that at least one should be sick? No. No. I don't believe that. I don't believe that one has got to die with sickness and disease in their body. We don't have to. I'm not saying that they won't, but you don't have to. You as an individual can get your faith to the point that you can be healed by God. It's for you and it's free. You may never want to. You may have a little mole on your arm and you may just want to leave it there. So what? Don't exercise your faith. Exercise your faith in something else. That's all right. But what I'm saying is you can if you want to. If it was a desire that you have that thing rid of from your body, you can have it and get it done. That's the gospel. 
All things. And the same, same people will go out and preach. All things are possible. Do you not believe it? Come on. Why be hypocritical? How can you make such an, a statement from the pulpit and then say, but you can't believe that. But you can't believe this. If Jesus said all things are possible, then all things are possible. Everything. That should be in the forefront of your mind. With God, I can do all things. And that should be in our spirits where we can actually say, I don't care what it is, I can get it by my faith. I'll get it by my faith. If I desire it bad enough, I'll get it by my faith. That should be our attitude. Well, that's why the body hasn't grown up. That's why the, the body of Christ is, 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 you know, being tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, contradiction, uh, and everything is going off in, in, the, in the body. Let's look at something over here in Ephesians. You're in the fourth chapter. Let's look at the seventh verse. Just back up to the seventh verse. We are to grow. Every believer has the capacity within himself to grow under the measure of the stature of the fullness of the... Look at the seventh verse. If you've never read this before in this light, circle it, underline it. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of who? Every one of us has been given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now listen, that grace is multiplied through the knowledge of God. It is multiplied. That grace... Jesus' life in you is multiplied. Multiplied. And it will continue to multiply the more knowledge you gain of Him. That's why the ministry should be putting out knowledge of Him. Not that which would be detrimental to the church. They don't have any knowledge of his, the resurrection. They don't have any knowledge of the glory that raised Him from the dead. Now you're going to sit there and say, well, do you have all this knowledge? I'll tell you what. I am learning the knowledge of the, the light and the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I'll know more next year. And I'll know more the year after. Until I grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And if that's not true, then why are we here? If I'm going to walk like this, where I'm at right now is a, is a, is a five-year-old in Christ and never gain any more spiritually, then why not just die now and go off into heaven? But blessed be God, if I have a hope inside me that one day I could walk somebody and say, well, why aren't you doing it now? Well, blessed be God, I've got the hope inside me that one day I'll look at sickness and disease and say, get off that body right there and leave it. It'll go just like that. I can do it for me. But I want to get to a place I can do it for you every time. I mean that. I want to get to a place where I walk in such of the fullness of the power of God that when you walk in the presence of a sinner, he can't stand to look you in the face. Falls on his knees for conviction without you saying a word from your lips. Oh, yeah. I know that's powerful statements, but I'll tell you what, every one of them are attainable. There was a power in Jesus that caused his enemies, when they came to him to, to try to kill him, to destroy him, they stood there and looked, never yet has a man spake words like this man before. They were Roman soldiers, ready to take him away, but they couldn't do it. Why? When they got near him. You know, there was a presence around Adam. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's all right. I like it. I love it. I just love it. There was, Adam was created. Adam was created, we know, with, a, with this body like we have, a flesh body. But Adam was not ashamed. Why not? Because there was a glory about him. There was a shield of glory. There was a, like a fire. There was on the outside of him. There was a presence. He was made in the likeness and in the image of the Almighty God. There was a presence round about him that caused those that walked into his presence submit to him because he had dominion over them. And the animals, when they walked by him, they obeyed. Bird, come here. It came. Lion, shut up. It shut up. We He manifested it. Over there in the field, he didn't know he intruded into the pasture of a bull. And he's walking out there in that pasture. All of a sudden, he looks up and there's that bull. And he's just full steam ahead running right at him. And he just looked around. Feared had no power over him, so he stayed in faith and love and just stood there, looked at it, said, Dear creature, I didn't come to mean to intrude in your territory on purpose. 
Start talking about the love of God. That animal got near him, looked at him, and turned over and walked under the tree and he sat down. I mean, he got close enough to where he can sense the presence of God. And when he got close enough, he just turned around and walked over to the tree and just sat down. Oh, yes, dominion. Oh, yes, authority. Oh, yes, power. Glory of God. Adam was created with that glory. I believe it lit his way till darkness came. Till darkness came. And the creatures had dominion over power to him. He was afraid of them. It was shameful because he lost that beauty, that glory, that shield. And surrounded him and he noticed I'm naked. Let's grow up into Christ. Let's see something here. Let's go on to um, 1 Peter. I want you to notice that this comes by the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. I want you to notice that uh, the prophet Hosea said, My people are destroyed through lack of what? Through lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Knowledge is supposed to be coming from the pulpit. It is to agree with the Word of God. It is to be quickened by the Spirit of God. God's Spirit will not quicken anything that is contrary to the Word. He does not want that kind of teaching to become light inside of you. He doesn't want that. But if you receive that into your own spirit, you can start to believe that God doesn't want you to have anything. You could get to a place that you'll be so tossed to and fro. What do you think it means when people have a nervous breakdown? They know God wants to help them, but they know the devil's over here, and they're going back and forth, and before you know it, their mind just begins to go. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know what to do next. Get single-minded is the way to go. Get single-minded is the way to be true and every man be a liar and stand up. I don't care if you just need one scripture. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Say it in the face of apparent defeat. Say it in the face of the enemy. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, my faith. And I believe that he's greater and he's in me. If that's the only scripture you know, you take that to heart. I'll tell you what, you put the devil to flight just like that. I don't like to hear people magnify the devil. I'm just going to stop and go right here. Glory to God. You know that symbol of the cross that we have? You remember that that cross, on that cross, Jesus became sin for us? Do you also remember that Moses in the wilderness lifted up the serpent? Fiery serpent. And those that looked upon the serpent would be healed. I want you to get a revelation of this. If you need salvation, if you need to be healed, if you need to be delivered, if you need to be free. You know, we have a tendency to look at the wrong things as Christians sometimes because we look from a natural standpoint. I want you to begin to look upon that cross. That serpent was symbolic of Satan and death and sin and disease. Now listen. When he raised up that serpent being symbolic of sickness and disease and death, it meant that Jesus was going to become the curse. Isn't that right? Jesus was going to take upon himself the effect of sin, sickness, disease, and the life and the nature of the devil. You know that God wanted to stomp upon the devil from the book of Genesis, the third chapter, 15th verse, when he says, he's going to bruise your head. Remember that? He wanted to do that. How bad do you think God wanted to destroy the devil? Think about this. When the Bible says he laid upon him the wrath of us all, the wrath of God was placed upon him, the sin of the world was placed upon him, Jesus became sin, death, the curse, the fall, all everything that was pertaining to the devil and the kingdom of darkness, Jesus became. Now listen to me. Because you've got to grab a hold of this. Jesus himself became death. Now can you grasp this and not misquote me? For those three days and night, the wrath of God was not laid just upon the fact that it was Jesus. The wrath was actually God the Father destroying Satan. Jesus became the child of the devil. 
So all, for those days that he was up there and the, the servant that he became, why do you think that God, God's wrath was so poured out against him? Because he couldn't do it any other way. Listen to me. I don't want you to see Jesus on that cross. No. You're not going to get your picture seeing Jesus. You know what I want you to see on that cross? I want you to see the devil defeated. I want you to see the serpent bruised. I want you to see his head stomped. I want you to see your sickness and disease destroyed. He through death destroyed him that had power of death. That is the devil. Jesus became the curse. The serpent. Jesus became it all. And then over there he had to go into the regions of the damned. And God the Father looked, oh, I mean, his wrath was poured out. The fullness of the wrath, the 88th Psalm was explicit. There he was in the regions, in the sight of the Father God. He was, it was his son, yes, but in the sight of the Father God, he was destroying Satan and death and all that he did in the heart of man. I want you to see that. I want you to picture that. And there in the regions of hell, the only legal way Jesus could get in, he went in there with the sin nature of man. He went in there with the fall of man. He went in there with sickness and disease and all the power of demons and Satan himself. And in hell, God the Father said, that's it. And he looked down from the supreme court of heaven. And the glory of God went into the regions. Can you see them cohorts down there? Can you see them demons down there? Can you see them standing around there? Oh, just mulling him. I believe it was like this. I believe that Satan thought that Jesus was going to go into Abraham's bosom. People think that today. Christians believe that because they have no insight into the, the true redemptive work of Christ. They thought that, gee, well, Abraham's down there, David's down there, you know, Isaac's down there, Jacob's down there, Moses' down there, all these, all these people are down there in Abraham's bosom. I've got to get this guy off the earth. He's ruining my kingdom. He was healing the sick, raising the dead, everything he was doing. I've got to get him off the earth so he gets him down there. He says, I'll get him in Abraham's bosom. Get him out of my way. Anything. Just get him out of my way. Kill him. Get him out of my way. Had they known the wisdom of God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They did not know that he would go into hell. As sin, as death. So there he was. And there they were. They were mauling him. He was in the lowest pits of hell. And can you just see every demon and every spirit? And Satan himself looking at the mercy of God, at the love of God for humanity, when they stood there and watched this awful thing and knew what was going on. Because once that glory of God came down and made Jesus alive down there, they witnessed it all. He raised up from the dead and threw off all the powers of darkness and stood there before them, a conqueror and a victor over death. They were astounded. They were amazed. They didn't know what to do. They were destroyed. Glory to God, they were destroyed. Satan is destroyed. Don't talk about him any other way. What do you think of that? He says, you'll bruise his head, but he'll bruise your heel. See, here's the heel. Yeah, he had to get to Jesus. Through death, though, he destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and he raised up from the dead with the authority, of the keys of death and the grave. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, hallelujah. No longer. No longer. That's why you don't have to be sick in your body any longer. That's why, and I'll tell you what, I, let's, let's, get, let's emphasize something else. That's why you can live free from sin. You live free from sin, you live free from sickness. You live holy before God, you're going to live with the life of God permeating your very being. You say, I've never heard this gospel before. Well, stick around. You're going to hear more than that. You're going to hear how you can walk in the very presence of God, the glory of God, that that glory will shine around about you. That people, when they come to you, they'll do the same thing. They'll, have a, they'll be in awe. And it won't be you. It'll be God through you. They'll know they were in the presence of a holy God because they were in your presence. Are you not to be holy? Ye are the temple of the living God whose temple is holy. Be ye therefore holy as I am holy. Glory to God. What a channel. First Peter 2. We found our way there. Our growth is, is, is promoted... Now listen to this, please, listen. Our growth is promoted by and dependent upon 
our knowledge of and our attitude toward the Word of God. Did you get that? Our spiritual growth is promoted by, promoted by, and developed or dependent upon our attitude and knowledge towards the Word of God. Our attitude toward the Word of God and our knowledge of the Word of God. And most people have no knowledge of the true Word of God. They think it's just a fine fairy tale. They just think it's a nice story that Jesus raised him from the dead. Have no knowledge of what he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Have no knowledge of the glory available to you and me and the power available to you and me. They have no knowledge of these things. And so they have just made a religion out of Christianity. And Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is the life and the power of God living in a man. Jesus was the first. And you and I are thereafter. Created in the image and likeness of him. Okay. Now, our attitude towards the word of God. Realize this. Our attitude towards the word of God itself will show you and me the place that God holds in our life. The attitude you have towards the Word of God will determine the place God is living in you. If your attitude towards the Word is that you read it once a week, you're going to be a very weak Christian. If your attitude towards the Word of God is that you only get it when you have a problem, you're going to be that type of a Christian. You're going to be up and down, mostly down, and then up when you get the Word, and then down, and then down, and then down, and then up when you get the Word, and then down. That's why people live their life. That's why you hear them say, I don't believe in these preachers that say they're living on the mountain. I don't believe that they can actually live like that. Well, look at me. I'm a preacher, and I'm down most of the time, and up half the time, and so on and so forth. Well, get in the Word every day. Stay in the Word of God. Meditate the Word of God. Let that Word of God reign inside your heart, mind, soul, spirit, and body. And blessed be God, you'll be on the mountain every day. Your attitude towards the Word of God should be that it's God Himself speaking to you. God says, move, you move. God says, do, you do. God says, fear me, you fear me. See, people have that attitude towards the Word of God. I'll tell you something right now. I'm going to say some things that I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> Glory to God. I wept. As a boy that was raised up in a denominational church and never read the Bible, to some fellow, you know the story, gave me a little, little New Testament on, on a 30-foot string on my crane, and I pulled up to the crane cab, and I opened up that Bible, and I read. After I got born, I read what Jesus did for me. And I'll tell you something right now, beloved. It was as though I was sitting in that old dirty, filthy crane cab, and God was sitting next to me. And everything that was said had my name in it. And that's how I took it. I came out of a denominational church that was used to calling their leaders father. I read that scripture that says call no man father and you couldn't get me to say it with a team of lines. Boom! Stop right there. Yes, sir. I would never say anything else. I read where the word of God says call no man your master upon your only one. Uh, yes, sir. I said, yes, sir. I took, I had such an attitude towards God's Word that God was speaking to just me. And you've got to have that attitude towards the Word of God if you're going to grow. Look at this verse. At verse 2, 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes, does, you've got enough time for a camp meeting this, this today. I didn't know it was going to be today, but it was going to be today. You have enough time for it? Blessed be God, I mean to tell you. But what it says here, as newborn babes desire the sincere, sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. All right? He is likening a newborn Christian as a newborn baby born to the world. A newborn baby needs milk, right? Let me say this to you. A newborn baby would choke on meat. And the Lord would do me on that. He said, you've got to get these babies some milk. I said, okay, Lord. So Wednesday night we're going to have our milk services. <laughs> is that all right? Now, some of you all, all the ones that you've been off the bottle for a while, you just come in love and just, you know, we're going to minister some milk. I mean, I mean to tell you, some people have come in and said, well, man, you're preaching all this stuff. We can walk into my house. You can walk into the glory of God and so on and so forth. And said, man, I'm just over here on the bottom yet. Well, all right. 
We're going to give you a bottle of milk. Glory to God. Just, it's free. Just come on in on Wednesday evening. And we're going to have milk services. Glory to God. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. It's the Word. But back up a little bit. Verse 23. First chapter. Verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, but living and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass, the grass withereth, and the flower thereof there falleth away. But the Word of the, of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the Word which by the Gospel is preached unto you. Now listen. Next verse. Wherefore, laying aside, depart, divorce, all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies, all envies, and all evil speakings. You ready? Ephesians 4.15 said, Speaking the truth in love may grow up. Depart from all these things, all evil speakings as newborn babes. You know newborn, newborn babes only have one language? That would you teach them? A newborn babe doesn't have that other language. As a newborn babe, you beloved, as a believer, you're to put away all these things. You're to get rid of it. You're supposed to get it out of your life. All that stuff is from the carnal nature. All that stuff is from the, the works of the flesh. You've got to get rid of all that stuff. Get rid of it. You will not grow up in the Word. You will not grow up into Christ if you will not make the quality decision to put away from you all evil speakings, put away from you hypocrisies, put away from you all this double talk, put all this malice away from you, all envies, all strife, put it all away from you, then receive the engrafted Word. If you don't make that decision in your life, you'll never grow up in Christ. I've had many opportunities to get in strife. I had many opportunities to argue the Word of God. I had many from this, from this position. I won't do it. I refuse to do it. I put that away from me. I've learned to put some things away from me. I don't even, I'm not going to be concerned about it. I can't make you believe what I believe. I can't make you believe what I believe. Can I? I'm not told to make you believe what I believe. I'm told to, I'm told to preach to you the gospel. Now, that next verse says, as newborn babes. But let me show you something here. That's a hindrance to growth. But let me show you something here in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, in connection with what we're talking about as a newborn babe and as spiritual growth. You start talking to people like we're talking this morning, and, and some of them just can't grab a hold of it. They can't visualize that. They can't see that yet. They can't walk in that yet. They don't understand where you're coming from. Well, look at this verse of Scripture right here. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. But even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with me. For hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, divisions, are ye not yet carnal? And walk as mere men? Now, what's he saying? Unless, he's talking to somebody he's been dealing with. You know who established that church? Who established the church at Corinth? Who did it? Paul. He spoke by his own mouth. He wrote probably letters before this letter. I told you before, he says, I can't even yet speak unto you people as spiritual. I can only speak unto you as carnal. I fed you with milk and not with meat. You weren't able to bear the meat then, and you're not able to bear the meat now. This church was not growing up. Oh, there's plain church every day, but they were not growing up into Christ. Why? Division, strife, envy, one talking about another, the other one talking about the other. And you, beloved, when you don't walk in the light as you're supposed to walk in the light, you will never grow up as a believer. I don't care how much you try. That's why they're trying. They're trying to go in faith and love. They're trying to go in healing. They're trying to go to a place that they can walk like Christ walked, but they're not putting away these things out of their life. They're not getting rid of sin and perfecting holiness in their life. And so consequently, they're being tossed to and fro. Don't understand it, but they want to know why it's not working for me. Your attitude towards God's Word. Your heart attitude should be this. If God said to stop talking about my brother, I will shut my mouth. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, 
says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the edifying that minister grace to the hear and grieve not the Holy Spirit who causes you to grow. Now, you tie that right back in over there with 1 Peter 2, 1, and what is he telling you? If you don't put away these things as a newborn babe, as a newborn babe has nothing to do with strife, division, envy, jealousy, and evil speaking, then you as a newborn Christian, you've got to put it out of your life. Lord, beloved, that will cause you to grow up in the human all things. You'll speak the truth in love, growing up in him in all things, which is ahead, even Christ. Now, let's go back to Second Peter. I want you to see something else. We, uh, we've used these scriptures before, but I want you to see that a lot of what we're talking about. Grace and peace is multiplied unto you. You've all been dealt grace according to the measure of Christ. Oh, if we can meditate that. If we had two hours right now to meditate what that just said. We have all been dealt grace according to the measure of Christ. That grace is multiplied in our lives through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And he goes on to talk about, we've been made partakers of his divine nature. But going on to verse 4. And he says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Virtue is excellence. I stopped and I said, Lord, why did you put excellence here before knowledge? And I began to stop and think and meditate just a little bit. I saw something. Your walk with God will only be determined by the excellence of your relationship. If your relationship with God is just a so-so relationship, if your walk with God is just you just want to be a so-so relationship, then you are not walking in the excellence of the knowledge of God. You'll not walk in a ministry of excellence. You'll not live a life of excellence. We are to live a life full of virtue or excellence before God that we will be free from sin. Listen to me. That's a mouthful. You and I should live free from sin. You say, dear God, how can you say such a thing? I didn't say that. Whosoever is born of God sinneth not. He keepeth himself from sin and the wicked one toucheth him not. What do you think this life of holiness is talking about? That's what he's talking about. He's talking about that you have developed the Christ-like character inside you so much that you have actually lived more out of sin than you do in sin. But the average believer says, Father, forgive me at 1 o'clock. Father, forgive me at 2 o'clock. Father, forgive me at 3 o'clock. Father, forgive me at 4 o'clock. And it's usually because their mouth is gone. That's right. I mean that. You learn to keep this thing quiet. You learn to put away all this stuff from you. And you will walk in excellence before God. And you'll have a life of excellence. Then you're going to start to add knowledge. Because that knowledge then will increase and cause you to increase in the knowledge of God. And he goes on to say that if you do these things, you will never fall. I'm not going to take time to read all. You will never fall. You'll get to a place in God that you'll never fall. You'll develop the grace of God and the knowledge of God in such an abundance that you will never fall from that plateau of living. You'll actually live in it. You'll walk in it. That is the, the mark of John G. Lake's ministry was the fact that he says, I walk in holiness. I walk with God. He is living in my spirit, my soul. He says, I, I read his dedication of consecration. It'll just wake us up. He said, I've dedicated and consecrated every fiber of my being, every part of my body to live in God. Beloved, the man lived in God and God lived in him to such a degree that the life of God manifested itself through him and just took him in the spirit to other cities, praying for people in the spirit when he was just at his altar kneeling. He's got a book out called The Adventures in God. Read it. It'll do your spirit some good. Adventures in God. The life of John G. Lake. Now, this is what we're talking about. I don't know about you, 
but this is my goal and this is my desire. I want to get into the glory of God. The Spirit of God is, is leading me into the fact that this glory of God is the fire of God. Remember over there where he's, John the Baptist says, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost with fire? Fire? That puzzled me. I knew when I related the two, I said, okay, Holy Ghost and fire. Some people build a doctrine on it. And I'll tell you what, they build these doctrines on, they build a doctrine on, on Peter's shadow. Shadow ministries. See, his, his shadow went out and healed all the sick. They thought it was a shadow, so they built a, they, they, they have a shadow ministries, you know, something like that. They build a doctrine on this thing, fire. Beloved, what is it that God appeared to, to Moses in the burning bush? What is it that our God is consuming fire? Is that not true? Did not the, 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 in the burning bush, was there not a flame of fire that Moses saw and said, what in the world is this? And it was the angel of the Lord that came up before him and says, take off your shoes for you're on holy ground. You ready for this? Baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You know what that fire is? God consuming you to such a degree that that glory that's in you is being made manifest out of you. And when it goes out of you, you know what it is? You've heard of the shield of faith? I'm going I'm I'm to continue this tonight. I want you to come back and listen to this. You've heard of the shield of faith? We've done a great injustice when we said that this is my shield of faith. Okay? To quench every fire guard of the wicked, that's not your shield of faith. You know what your shield of faith is? Your shield of faith is the fire of God. You go back to Habakkuk, it talks about the bright flames of beams of light. Like laser beams of light that came out of his person, that came out of his being. It produced a force, a shield, a shield, you see, around him. God is a faith God, isn't he? Well, that shield around him was just like that shield that was around Adam. It was the glory of God. It was the fire of God. And the man that's got on all the armor of God will get to a place that that shield of God, that shield of faith will be a force. It will be the glory of God coming out of you. It will be the fire of God, beams of light being shot out of your spirit, man, and it's just enveloping you. And you'll walk on this earth with the presence of the fact that that glory shield is all around you. They say we're not afraid of the devil, you see, so he doesn't, because he can look from behind. You don't need anything back there. The Bible says in the 58th chapter of Isaiah that the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. It's the glory of the Lord that's all around. That's your shield of faith. And that guy never did come from the front anyhow. If he ever attacked you, it was from the behind, so you couldn't see him. But when he got back there, he saw the glory. Now that's what I want to get into tonight. I want to get into it now. We've got about two more hours. God, God. Listen. We could grow to a place in God that the glory of God is acting like a shield around us through this knowledge. I got the knowledge that goodness and mercy, they're behind me all the days of my life. Goodness is the glory of God. When, I, when Moses says, show me your glory, he said, I'll show you my goodness. That's the glory of God back there. That's the Spirit of God, and that's the Spirit of God all around you. That's what the shield of faith is. That's not some measly little old thing that, you know, you're just going to walk around and you're going to make sure you get in the right spot. That's not what the shield of faith is. It is a shield. It is a force around you. I'll give you an example of it. When Jesus got done preaching, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because you know me to preach the God to the poor, and so on and so forth, and coming back to sight of the blind. And he preached, he sat down, he preached to them. They got him, they cast him out of the city, they took him headlong, they went to throw him headlong down the hill off the cliff, and so he would die down there. But the Bible says he just turned and walked through the midst of them. How do you think he did that? Put that shield in effect. They couldn't touch him. When they got him in the garden of Gethsemane and they tried to arrest him, he just said, I am. And they all fell over like dead men. If I wanted to. And I, beloved, I believe you and I could walk in the very same presence to the degree that even if an adversary comes and looks you in the face, you can just stay in love and that shield will scare him off. The shield of faith, the force. It'll be the glory of God. 
There'll be fingers of light come out of your person. Well, that excites me. That's what it is. That's what it is. I don't get ahead of myself, but I'll tell you what. You just can't hold back on some of these things. That comes to the knowledge of God. This knowledge is the knowledge of the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what we're talking about. That's what God... You know the Bible says over there in Second Peter... That verse 3 says he's called us to glory and virtue. To glory and excellence. That's what we've been called to do. You should hate sin so bad that if it lurks around your corner, you lift up that glory of God and sin has got to flee from you. It's not a matter of what you would do in your life. Should I smoke? Should I drink? Should I go here? Should I go there? Beloved, if you knew who you were in Christ, those things would burn up before they got to your person. God wants us to know this. So those of you that are ready for the meat, we're going to talk about this. Those of you that need the milk, Wednesday night. Okay? That way you don't understand. We're going to close right here just because I guess we're going to close. But blessed be God, I'm not done. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.